blinding blackness of the night and the open door through which flake by flake the snow leapt into the light in front the large round room fashioned from the basement of the mill lit only by the great fire of turfs and a single horned lantern hung from the ceiling that was ribbed with beams of black and massive oak and there in this forbidding naked-looking place that rocked and quivered as the gale caught the tall arms of the mill above seated by the hearth in a rude chair of wood and sleeping one man romero the spanish sleuth-hound who had hunted down her father he whom above every other she held in horror and in hate and two adrian and the spy at death grips on the floor between them the sheen of a naked knife such was the picture romero awoke at the noise and there was fear on his face as though some ill dream lingered in his brain next instant he saw and understood i will run the man through who strikes another blow he said in a cold clear voice as he drew his sword stand up you fools and tell me what this means it means that this brute beast but now threw elsa brant on her face gasped adrian as he rose and i punished him it is a lie hissed the other i pulled the minx on that is all and so would you have done if you had been cursed with such a wild cat for four-and-twenty hours why when we took her she was more trouble to hold than any man oh i understand interrupted romero who had recovered his composure a little maidenly reluctance that is all my worthy simon and as for this young gentleman a little lover-like anxiety doubtless in bygone years you have felt the same and he glanced mockingly at black meg so do not be too ready to take offence good simon youth will be youth and youth will get a knife between its ribs if it is not careful grumbled hog simon as he spat out a piece of broken tooth why am i brought here signor broke in elsa in defiance of laws and justice laws i do not know that there were any left in the netherlands justice well all is fair in love and war as any lady will admit and the reason why i think you must ask adrian he knows more about it than i do he says that he knows nothing signor does he the rogue does he indeed well it would be rude to contradict him wouldn't it so i for one unreservedly accept his statement that he knows nothing and i advise you to do the same no no my boy do not trouble to explain we all quite understand now my good dame he went on addressing the serving woman who had entered the place take this young lady to the best room you have above and listen both of you she is to be treated with all kindness do you hear for if any harm comes to her either at her hands or your own by heaven you shall pay for it to the last drop of your blood now no excuses and no mistakes the two women meg and the other nodded and motioned to elsa to accompany them she considered a moment looking first at romero and next at adrian then her head dropped upon her breast and turning without a word 
she followed them up the creaking oaken stair that rose from a niche near the wall of the ingle-nook. "'Father,' said Adrian, when the massive door had closed behind her and they were left alone, "'Father, for I suppose that I must call you so.' "'There is not the slightest necessity,' broke in Romero. "'Facts, my dear son, need not always be paraded in the cold light of day, fortunately. "'But proceed.' "'What does all this mean?' "'I wish I could tell you. "'It appears to mean, however, that without any effort upon your part, "'for you seem to me a young man singularly devoid of resource, "'your love affairs are prospering beyond expectation. "'I have had nothing to do with the business. "'I wash my hands of it.' "'That is as well. "'Some sensitive people might think they need a deal of washing.' "'You young fool,' he went on, dropping his mocking manner. "'Listen to me. "'You are in love with this pink and white piece of goods, "'and I have brought her here for you to marry.' "'And I refuse to marry her against her will.' "'As to that, you can please yourself. "'But somebody has got to marry her. "'You or I.' "'You!' "'You!' gasped Adrian. "'Quite so. The adventure is not one, to be frank, that attracts me. At my age, memories are sufficient. But material interests must be attended to. So, if you decline, well, I am still eligible and hardy. Do you see the point?' "'No. What is it?' "'It is a sound title to the inheritance of the departed Hendrik Brandt. That wealth we might, it is true, obtain by artifice or by arms.' "'but how much better that it should come into the family in a regular fashion, "'thereby ousting the claim of the crown. "'Things in this country are disturbed at present, "'but they will not always be disturbed, "'for in the end somebody must give way, and order will prevail. "'Then questions might be asked, "'for persons in possession of great riches are always the mark of envy. "'But if the heiress is married to a good Catholic and loyal subject of the king,' Who can cavil at rights sanctified by the laws of God and man? Think it over, my dear Adrian, think it over. Stepmother or wife, you can take your choice. With impotent rage, with turmoil of heart and torment of conscience, Adrian did think it over. All that night he thought, tossing his rat-haunted pallet, while, without, the snow swirled and the wind beat. If he did not marry Elsa, his father would, and there could be no doubt as to which of these alternatives would be best and happiest for her. Elsa, married to that wicked, cynical, devil-possessed, battered, fortune-hunting adventurer with a nameless past. This must be prevented, at any cost. With his father, her lot must be a hell. With himself, after a period of storm and doubt, perhaps— it could scarcely be other than happy, for was he not young, handsome, sympathetic, and devoted? Ah, there was the real point. He loved this lady with all the earnestness of which his nature was capable, and the thought of her passing into the possession of another man gave him the acutest anguish. That the man should be Foy, his half-brother, was bad enough. That it should be Romero, his father— was insupportable. 
at breakfast the following morning, when Elsa did not appear, the pair met. "'You look pale, Adrian,' said his father presently. "'I fear that this wild weather kept you awake last night, as it did me, although at your age I have slept through the roar of a battle. "'Well, have you thought over our conversation? I do not wish to trouble you with these incessant family matters, but time presses, and it is necessary to decide.' Adrian looked out of the lattice at the snow, which fell and fell without pause. Then he turned and said, "'Yes, of the two it is best that she should marry me, though I think that such a crime will bring its own reward.' "'Wise young man,' answered his father, "'under all your cloakings of vagary I observe that you have a foundation of common sense, just as the giddiest weathercock is bedded on a stone. As for the reward,' "'Considered properly, it seems to be one upon which I can heartily congratulate you.' "'Peace to that talk,' said Adrian angrily. "'You forget that there are two parties to such a contract. "'Her consent must be gained, and I will not ask it.' "'No, then I will. "'A few arguments occur to me. "'Now look here, friend. "'We have struck a bargain, and you will be so good as to keep it, "'or take the consequences. "'Oh, never mind what they are.' I will bring this lady to the altar, or rather, to that table, and you will marry her, after which you can settle matters just exactly as you please. Live with her as your wife, or make your bow and walk away, which I care nothing so long as you are married. Now I am weary of all this talk, so be so good as to leave me in peace on the subject. Adrian looked at him, opened his lips to speak, then changed his mind and marched out of the house into the blinding snow. "'Thank heaven he is gone at last,' reflected his father, and called for Hog Simon, with whom he held a long and careful interview. "'You understand?' he ended. "'I understand,' answered Simon sulkily. "'I am to find this priest, who should be waiting at the place you name, and to bring him here by nightfall to-morrow, which is a rough job for a Christian man in such weather as this.' "'The pay, friend Simon, remember the pay.' "'Oh, yes, it all sounds well enough, but I should like something on account.' "'You shall have it. Is it not such a laborer worthy of his hire?' replied his employer, with enthusiasm, and producing from his pocket the purse which Lisbeth had given Adrian, with a smile of peculiar satisfaction, for really the thing had a comic side. He counted a handsome sum into the hand of this emissary of Venus. Simon looked at the money, "'concluded, after some reflection, "'that it would scarcely do to stand out for more at present, "'pouched it, and having wrapped himself in a thick frieze coat, "'opened the door, and vanished into the falling snow. End of chapter 25